Welcome into another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman, coming to you live from the Man Cave in Biglerville, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I'm so excited about Biglerville, Pennsylvania. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm back. It's been a difficult uh, past week and a half with trying to go to work almost on a daily basis and then trying to do a stupid online class, which is really kind of pointless. But hey, you gotta get those credits somehow. And I'm trying to graduate on time, so you gotta do what you gotta do. But I am back. And before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously No Copyright Music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them. No copyright music. On today's episode of Behind the Catch Fence, episode 6 by the way, we're starting to get up there guys, man. On today's episode we have the Road America recap, which was uh, absolutely butt whooping by Alexander Rossi. We'll go over Road America, winners and losers of the week, and there will be a surprise in the winners category for this week, so that'll be interesting. Uh, I'll go over some random IndyCar news that that's out there, and I'll to give you a quick sneak peek about next week's episode. Let's get right into it with the Road America race recap. Colton Herta became the youngest pole winner in IndyCar history, uh, with Alexander Rossi starting alongside him. It was a frantic lap one. Rossi would get around Herta to take the early lead, and it would be the last time any driver would be anywhere remotely close to Rossi the rest of the race. Ryan hunter Ray would get into the back of Scott Dixon in a tight turn five, sending him around and to the rear of the field. Then on lap three, James Hinchcliffe and Takuma Sato would tangle while battling for sixth, sending Sato into the runoff, costing him multiple positions on track. Three laps later, on lap six, Marcus Erickson would lock his tires up going into turn five, narrowly missing the tire barrier, but the race would stay green. On lap 18, Marco Andretti would have an unexplainable mechanical issue, forcing him to retire from the race, and yet another dismal race for Marco Andretti. It became a race in the pits with the pit crews being able to flex their muscles and earn their paycheck. And with the varying strategies with some drivers coming in one or two laps earlier or one or two laps later than one another, it was interesting to see how each uh, strategy played out throughout the race. Whether a driver could advance their position on another guy just because they pit and got clean air and were on, were on uh, hot tires. And seeing if um, drivers pitting a couple laps later would be able to stretch out their lead on that other driver, but overall it was very intriguing to watch throughout the majority of the race. And the closing six laps would be probably the most entertaining, with positions three through eight battling it out to see who could get on the podium, and with drivers starting to run low on push to pass, as well as having worn out tires, it was must-see television. Two laps ago, Colton Herto would run wide coming out of turn one, allowing James Hinchcliffe to dive underneath and take over fifth, but the action would just be heating up. Herta would get back around Hinchcliffe, and then Scott Dixon would bully his way around the outside of Hinchcliffe in turn 5. The two would bump wheels, with Hinchcliffe barely hanging on. That would allow Scott Dixon's Chip Ganassi Racing teammate, Felix Rosenquist, to get around Hinchcliffe as well. Coming to the white flag, Herta would surrender 5th to a hard-charging Dixon, and by then Herta's tires would be absolute toast. Rosenquist and Hinchcliffe would find their way back around Herta on the final lap, with Herta barely hanging on to the car to get back to the start-finish line. Oh yeah, Alexander Rossi won, in case you didn't know. Rossi would notch his second win of the season in dominating fashion. And as we look at the results for the Rev Group Grand Prix at Road America, Alexander Rossi was obviously your winner, Will Power was in second, followed by Joseph Newgarden in third, Graham Rahal sporting that Bobby Rahal throwback in fourth, Scott Dixon rounding out the top five after spinning out and going all the way to the rear of the field on lap one, 
Dixon did a remarkable drive to fight his way all the way back up to get a solid points day in fifth. He would be followed by Felix Rosenquist in sixth, James Hinchcliffe with a solid seventh place finish, Colton Herta eighth, Simon Pagino ninth, and Takuma Sato in tenth. And as we look at the standings, Joseph Newgarden maintains his points lead, but now it's only a dismal six points ahead of Alexander Rossi, followed by Simon Pagino, Scott Dixon in fourth, Will Power fifth in points, Takuma Sato sixth, Ryan Hunteray seventh, Graham Rahal eighth, James Hinchcliffe ninth, and Felix Rosenquist rounding out the top ten in points. And now it's time for winners and losers of the week. The only reason you guys even tune in is to hear my rants on random stuff in IndyCar. So I'll get right into it. Winner number three, James Hinchcliffe. The mayor of Hinchtown has had another season filled with bad luck and frustrating finishes, but on Sunday he had arguably his best race of the season. Starting from ninth, Hinchcliffe quickly worked his way up into the top five, running as high as fourth. With two laps to go, hard racing with Colton Herta and Scott Dixon would drop Hinchcliffe to seventh, but overall it was a strong showing for the Aeroschmidt-Peterson motorsport team. He ha- they have the speed out of the Aeroschmidt-Peterson stable, but I think they're just now starting to figure it out. They finally got a race under their belt that you know was clean, nothing significant happened that was bad. It was an overall, it was a great weekend for James Hinchcliffe and that team, and it only bodes well looking ahead. I mean, with his home race in Toronto coming up in two weeks, he's proven to be lethal in the past there, finishing fourth or better in the last three races. I would definitely look for Hinchcliffe to be a real threat in Toronto and even going forward especially with Iowa coming up after Toronto, where he won last season. Hinchcliffe could get on a roll here soon, and I wouldn't be surprised if he cranked off a win or two. Moving on to winner number two, Felix Rosenquist? I know, I've harped on Rosenquist a bunch over the past couple races, and he's been on the losers list way too many times to remember at this point, but finally, Rosenquist was able to have a complete race. Starting all the way back in 18th, Rosenquist was able to methodically move his way up to an impressive sixth-place finish, Credit to great pit stops and even more impressive driving. Rosenquist's performance should resonate extremely well with team owner Chip Ganassi, who's been quoted for saying he just might give whatever amount of money Alexander Rossi wants to come race for him. I won't say Sunday's race will secure Rosenquist a second season with Chip Ganassi Racing, but it's a huge step in the right direction. And hey, now I don't have to send out uh, poop emoji t-shirts to Felix Rosenquist with uh, the Behind the Catch Fence logo on it. So there you go, Felix. Let's go. I'm rooting for you, bud. And now for winner number one. Man, I wonder who this could be. Drum roll, please. Alexander Rossi for Andretti Autosport. <laughs> yeah, this is a no-brainer for number one. Iron Gonads Rossi, as I like to call him now, has been on an absolute tear since his anger drive in the Indianapolis 500. Rossi has finished second, second, fifth, second, and first since that heartbreaking runner-up finish in the Indy. The thing that impressed me the most about Rossi's win on Sunday is how much of a whooping he put on the field. Once he got around rookie Colton Herter on the opening lap, he was simply in a different zip code from the rest of the field. Rossi had finished the race a whopping 28 seconds ahead of second place Will Power. Rossi straight up embarrassed the entire field, and the most impressive thing out of his utter domination was how even Team Penske was no match for the American superstar. Will Power said after the race, I actually never saw Rossi, he said. It felt like I was in my own race with Joseph. That's all we had. It was a very clean day for us. Good start, no mistakes, reasonable car, but we simply did not have the pace to run with Alex. I've rarely said that in my career. What Rossi did on Sunday is something so rare and so impressive that it's hard to put into words. 
You rarely see a butt whooping in IndyCar in this day and age, especially with how tight the competition is, but Sunday was a statement from Alexander Rossi. He's good, and he knows it. Oh boy, it's this time of the day for our loser list. Let's get right into it. Loser number three, Santino Ferrucci for Dale Coyne Racing. I've praised Santino Ferrucci for adapting so well to IndyCar this season, and that won't change anytime soon. However, he found himself on the wrong side of strategy on Sunday. After starting in the rear of the field in 21st, Ferrucci and his team rolled the dice on strategy, hoping for a caution to fall their way so they could make up track position, but that caution never came. Ferrucci would finish the race in 19th, one lap down. Races like Sunday will be a great test for how Ferrucci adapts to the ups and downs of IndyCar. These last couple weeks have been all-time highs for Ferrucci, but it'll be interesting to see how he handles these next couple races after coming off a race that simply didn't go his way. Loser number two, once again, AJ Foyt Racing. It's a broken record with this entire team. 2013 Indianapolis 500 winner and 2004 IndyCar champion Tony Kanaan is a backmarker, and young up-and-comer Matthias Lace can't even remotely develop. I'm sick and tired of seeing the same old garbage equipment being run on the track each and every week. We all know AJ Foyt is one of the best to ever get behind the wheel of a race car, but he simply can't run a race team. Both race teams in the AJ Foyt Racing Stables are in the bottom four of the point standings, and part-time driver Ed Jones has racked up more points than Matthias Leist has all season. I've harped on it before and I'll harp on it again, change needs to come to AJ Foyt Racing as soon as possible. Rumors are starting to come to fruition, with reports coming out stating that the team is preparing to make changes. Let's hope AJ Foyt Racing is able to figure it out sooner rather than later. You guys have been waiting for it. Loser number one, ah, Marco Andretti. We all know Andretti struggles the past couple seasons, and the desire to win a race has never been higher. There's even a Twitter account literally named, Did Marco Andretti Win? Well, at Road America, it was yet another no. Andretti had pretty good speed all weekend, and he qualified a solid 10th. Andretti's solid weekend would quickly come crashing down 18 laps into the race. An unexplainable mechanical issue with the car would force the Andretti Autosport driver to retire from the race, and yet another seemingly never-ending slump. Andretti finds himself all the way down to 16th in the standings, with all four of the full-time rookies ahead of him. I really want to see Andretti be competitive again week in and week out, winning races, but his struggles over the past eight years have been almost unbearable to watch. He's changed strategists multiple times, and nothing seems to be working. It really makes you wonder when Andretti will feel enough is enough. Going back to the action at Road America, despite Rossi's almost half-second beatdown on the field, Road America was extremely entertaining and enjoyable to watch. There was constant action throughout the field, and it was straight-up great, hard-nosed, clean racing. The entire race, drivers were pushing their cars to the absolute limit, sliding around, forcing their way to advanced position. You can't top the pure racing that IndyCar continues to deliver on a weekly basis, and it only bodes well going forward. Let's move ahead to some IndyCar news. Not a whole lot going on right now in terms of news, but I thought this was kind of funny on Twitter this morning. This is Tuesday, by the way. Santino Ferrucci of Dale Coin Racing, they put together an invoice for uh, trimming 439 square feet of the grass during that Indy 500. We all know where he made that fantastic save to dive into the infield and get around that big crash during the later stages of the race. So as I look at the total bill, it racked up to $329.25. And in the description, it said lawn care service, service including lawn cutting, debris removal, 439 square feet at $0.75 cents per square foot. Obviously, I'm not going to do that math because I can't math, period. As seen last semester with my 
just above a D in uh, Math 101, but hey, I made it through. That's all I'm going to say. But anyway, that was pretty interesting to see Santina Ferrucci pay it forward, literally, to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm sure they'll appreciate that. The rookie is doing a little kindness to the track, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, earlier this week, the state of Indiana rolled out new driver's license that, among other things, now have an image of an IndyCar in the background. Uh, let me tell you, that, that looks pretty cool. To have an IndyCar on your driver's license? Man, I gotta go move to Indiana. Like, come on, let me get out of here at uh, dimpy Big Rivel, Pennsylvania. I might just have to uh, get out of Pennsylvania sooner rather than later and move to Indiana, just so I can uh, get, a, get an IndyCar on my driver's license. That's how diehard of a fan I am, you know, dedication at its finest. And lastly, NBC earned a .9 overnight rating for the Road America race, its highest ever overnight for an IndyCar race, excluding the Indy 500. So that's great for all of IndyCar, you know, ratings are continuing to gradually go up. It's not going to be a quick rise to the top, but they're gradually chipping into NASCAR's ratings, and they're also gaining more popularity with each and every race, it feels like, so... It's going to be interesting to see the ratings in the next two years, how much they rise. Because I really feel like in two years, IndyCar is going to be right there with NASCAR in terms of ratings and popularity. So it's great for IndyCar, and uh, let's watch, the, watch it continue to rise. Unfortunately, there isn't any shut your fuel cell, dumbest Twitter comments of the week segment, because people are too boring this week for some odd reason. The only thing I saw in the Twitter comments was just everybody bashing on Formula One saying, IndyCar's product is so much better. They can have a dominant winner, but the action's actually interesting. I mean, which I obviously agree with, so... No dumb Twitter comments of the week so far. I mean, I am sh I'm gonna be digging hard for some the next couple weeks. Because I need, to, I need to go on a couple rants here soon. I'm itching for a rant right now, as if you can't already tell. But side note, if you do hear something, like, weird in the background, that's my dog Chewie uh, gnawing on a bone. And, uh, let's just say he's a little slow, so... That's all I'm gonna say about that, just, you know, FYI. Anyway, the NTT IndyCar series has two weeks off until the Honda Indy Toronto. So in the next two episodes of Behind the Catch Fence, I'll go back through the first half of the season, answer key questions from the season so far, and look ahead towards the rest of the season. I'll have some interesting segments for next week's episode as well, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, and in those episodes, I might just bring out a couple award segments, have a little, you know, I'll wear a bow tie with a suit and give out my uh, awards for the first half of the season, which I will give you a little bit of a spoiler. One of the awards is the Iron Gonad Award, which I think you can figure out who the Iron Gonad Award is going to go to. So a little sneak peek of that. Sorry, I, didn't, I couldn't get out this mid-season awards episode in last week. Like I said earlier, it's been a it's been a tough couple weeks just with trying to figure out school and get everything in order and get that stupid summer class over with, as well as trying to go to work. Whether it's a three to eleven shift or a seven to three shift, yeah, it's kind of been difficult. But but don't worry, your boy's coming back. He's coming back for good, y'all. But before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter at Behind Catch and Instagram at Behind underscore the underscore catch underscore fence. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys later.